0: Welcome to the Thinnest Veil podcast, a place where we talk about spirituality, ceremony, religion, and connection. This is a podcast where we explore storytelling, the Big Mothers Mary and Mother Earth, social justice Jesus, magic, sermonizing, intuition, and so much more. I am your host, Dr. Melissa Bird, a clairvoyant lay preaching Christian witch with a penchant for fast cars and living in infinite potential. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi everyone, I am Dr. Melissa Bird, and this is the Thinnest Veil Podcast. I'm super excited to have my friend Rana on here with me today because we are continuing our conversation, uh, talking about the divine feminine and all the things. But we're going to talk a little bit more about my experience with Mary Magdalene, or as in France they call her Maria Magdalena, which it's I so just much prettier, and it's really pretty when they say it in with that beautiful French accent. I bet. Um, oh God, it's so good. And I just want to dive right in because here's something I've really been thinking about a lot. And I'm curious what your thoughts are um, about it. So we talk a lot about the divine feminine. Um, and I find especially in circles where we are disrupting narratives of Christianity and religion, um, we focus so much on the feminine and I was just having a conversation with a really good friend of mine who's another indigenous woman. And we were talking about this, this almost movement towards erasure of the divine masculine and the divine mm-hmm. feminine mm. that, that in the, all these other conversations about queer issues, and we are both queer women, so we're both having this conversation as, as queer women. This idea of the importance of the masculine and the feminine. And this is where I think Maria Magdalena is such a fascinating, um, iconic character for so many of us that um, she perform- sonifies the, the feminine balance to Jesus's masculine mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. And that's why she was erased.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm curious what you think about, um, the importance of not having like this we get so binary in our thinking right but why you think particularly with the book that you wrote um you know which feel free to bring that in and talk about that too but like this (laughs) I this idea of not balance because I I'm I'm kind of in this, in the midst of disrupting this conversation about balance, because I really think it's more about harmony. Mm-hmm. Like the moon is in harmony with the waves and the waves are in harmony with the moon.
1: Yeah.
0: That, that when it comes to divinity in these stories, having the harmony of the divine masculine and feminine, which by the way, this is where this conversation with my indigenous friend comes in. Um, you know this is tens of thousands of years old uh this idea of the divinity of the masculine and the feminine is right is is an indigenous concept and so to erase it or to try and make it something different um also is a continued attack on mm-hmm. on old 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 cultures yeah Anyway, I've said yeah. a whole lot there, but I'm curious yeah. what your thoughts are about this idea of the divine feminine. You and I have talked about it a lot, but also mm-hmm. this idea of why do we forget to talk about the masculine?
2: Yeah. Well, I think, I think the first thing I would say is that it's not surprising it today in 2023 or, you know, the 2000s, you know, you know, whatever, in the last number of years that of course the pendulum would swing over to discussion around embracing of the divine feminine because it's been gone for in western religion for sure for them for Mm -hmm. so long it's been shoved down it's been hidden it's been silenced it's you know it's just been non-existent so it doesn't surprise me that there is a, a wave of energy and hope and encouragement that shows up when women and men encounter this concept, because it's just been completely missing, especially for those of us who grew up in the church. It just isn't even on the radar. And that is probably still true to a large degree. Oh, yeah. So there's that. But I think um, the other thing I was thinking about as you were saying that is, though I can talk about the divine feminine, I think probably the language that resonates with me more is experiencing the divine through the feminine. Mm. So that's the part for me that that has both been missing and that validates the divine within me because I am a woman, right? It helps me experience the sacred, experience my spirituality, trust my own wisdom and voice as an expression of the divine on the planet through me as a woman. And that's been absent as well in the context of totally. organized religion, for sure. So. When I think about it as an expression of the divine through the feminine, that helps me then with the word you're using also allow for the harmony of the expression of the divine through the masculine, which Uh we've had in abundance, (laughs) you know, whether we like it or not. It's been overly present for thousands and thousands of years, but that doesn't mean I reject it like I'm okay to have an expression of the divine through the masculine. I just want to know that the other is
0: equally as valuable. I think it's, um, I think it's so profound about why those narratives are missing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And I think about this a lot when I think about my work connecting mind, body, spirit, and land, which is a, a decolonizing deconstructive yeah. concept and i this occurred to me so profoundly just on my way up to the caves of maria magdalena and you know they they are this place in france where africa the continent of africa pulled away from the continent of europe right so they're in this old ancient place Mm. or the earth pulled away from itself mm. Mm. and the the land is the trees are some of the oldest trees in France these old old oak trees these mother oak trees and there's all these beautiful natural springs and but what what struck me so profoundly and i think the narrative is missing because you can't control populations of people with a narrative of finding divinity through the wholeness of the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or the feminine and the masculine, which is so ironic because it is the womb, <laughs> which is where life grows and happens, which is why the cave and totally out of control. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah.
2: nothing that we can nothing, control. No at all. nothing that you yeah. can control at all. Yes.
0: And the cave is like that, right? Like that, the cave is such a womb. All caves are wombs. Like Mm -hmm. they just are. They are the earth's womb. And when I went, so when you're hiking up to the caves, you can't see anything, right? You can't see the cave. You can't see the shrine. You can't see anything. Hmm. But then you turn this corner. And when I turned the corner and looked up, all I could see was the crucifix of Jesus looking down and you can see Maria Magdalena looking up at him
1: hmm.
0: and he, they are looking at each other. And it was the first time I re- and I just collapsed in sobs just mm-hmm. because it was this love and you, it was emanating from that space, this mm-hmm. love like we you talk about the love of God. We we say it in our liturgy as a, as episcopals and as Christians, like mm-hmm. the love of God that surpasses all understanding, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. man, that moment I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then you could see it radiating mm-hmm. from both of them in that statue. Mm-hmm. And and I thought no wonder they had to eliminate her and make her go away Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the irony is that they do mass catholic mass there three times a day (laughs) so like they're worshiping her at the same time that they've tried to eliminate her entire book from the bible which they did very successfully which is why you and i both love megan watterson's mary magdalene reveal but then I turn the corner again, right? So I get up, I see this whole, the resurrection scene. The original resurrection scene was destroyed during the French Revolution, but they have all the crumbled statues, beheaded statues there. It's amazing. And they've rebuilt it. And so you turn a corner again and there is, and I did not know this. I don't know why I didn't know this. Honest well, you do my- you know why. Well, okay, so I do know why, but I turned the corner and my very favorite statue, like I have pictures of it hanging on my wall in my office. My very favorite statue of the mother Mary holding her son's dead body Mm -hmm. with Maria Magdalena weeping at their feet and Mary's in total anguish. She's just as a mother, she is just in her face is anguish and she's holding her dead child. Mm -hmm. and Mary Magdalene Maria Magdalena is weeping at her feet and it's just and and that statue is at the top of the stairs and when you're facing it it looks out over all of France so you're on this mountain with this vision of just total grief Mm -hmm. and love Mm -hmm. so much love Mm -hmm. and looking at this forest and I just stood there. I like was brought to my knees and my knees are bad. I can get out there with a chore in and of itself. And I thought this is that love that surpasses all understanding. And this is why we're such a mess right now.
1: Yeah.
0: As a world, as a country,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as, as neighborhoods, mm-hmm. because we have forgotten mm-hmm. And I think this is on purpose because you can't, it, you cannot create white supremacist, Christian nationalist, dis- oppressive structures if we feel that love. Exactly. exactly. If we are connected to that love, which mm-hmm. comes from the experience of the feminine and the masculine in divinity, mm-hmm. in all of its many varied, not binary forms. Mm-hmm the ancientness of it. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, I mean, it's, again, to neither you nor me, is this surprising that this is what has happened over time. But when I hear you describe, you know, your own experience of seeing the, those statues, of encountering that amount of love, and this is the cynical side of me, but you can see why that's been shut down. Because oh, yeah. if we actually loved that deeply it's radically dangerous and in the best of ways but that's not how it's been seen nor is it still in a patriarchal capitalism colonialism you know all of those isms we don't (laughs) that amount of abandon that amount of passion that amount of letting go of all control and being overcome by something that is bigger than we are I mean the irony as you've already said, is that we've got this language all over the place in our liturgy, in our texts, in our hymns. It's everywhere, but it's not experiential. It's prescribed. And I think all of us have moments that feel like we've tapped into somehow an experience of the divine that is you know, where we feel like we're part of something larger, where we're carried to some kind of an ecstatic experience of some kind or some deeply personal movement within. So I'm not discounting that, but it doesn't sustain itself. It doesn't. And and we don't have enough community around us to encourage it. And if we did imagine the disruption and the things that we would be about motivated, not from a place of anger, hate, etc., cetera, but from places of deep justice fueled by love right? I mean, it's what I think we most deeply desire. I mean, I certainly do. It's what yeah. you know. I think about all the time when I watch the news, when I read one more article on one more trauma happening w- one more place. I'm like, how in the hell did we get here? And yeah. I'm, I know the answer, but it's so heartbreaking and so paradoxical and ironic yeah. given the perpetuation of a message of
0: love yeah um, it's so it's so bizarre to me and it, and this is what kept me so far from the church right i yeah. grew up in utah you know part native totally queer feminist like like i i did i was a mess in utah <laughs> like i was dangerous <laughs> i was just dangerous simply by existing Yeah, and it kept me so far away from any church like like certainly not the LDS church, but any church. Yeah. And then, and then I walked into church in 2018 and felt the greatest, largest, biggest, hugest, deepest love I have ever, mm. ever experienced. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Mm. <laughs> and, and then, and see this love of God, this love, this like, This love of creator, of creation, of connecting my holy spirit, my holy body, my holy mind with my ancestral roots and realizing that we're really all talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. The love Mm -hmm. of something greater than us that we cannot understand, whether we're Jewish or Muslim, or Christian, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or Buddhist, or pagan. We are all talking about the same exact thing. And I love what you said about it being radically dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why it's hard for me to figure out what my voice is. It's so funny because I doubt what I'm saying when I talk about love. Hmm. But I love talking about it. because I, I, it comes through me. It's not mm-hmm. my thinking it's channeling it's divinity. It's, it's mysticism. Mm-hmm. It's prophecy. It's the things that we learn about as spiritual practices mm-hmm. that, that turn into like, we criticize the love and light community. Right. But at the same time, all we're searching out is love and connection. Yeah. You know, this is one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated by like Megan
2: Watterson's work on Mary Magdalene, because I think what she's inviting and what Mary Magdalene herself is inviting is this experience of deep love. Yeah. She articulates it and expresses it in her, in the gospel of Mary Magdalene in ways we've never heard before, right? Like this is a recently discovered text in the realm of text. It's very controversial compared to the gospels, you know, that have been created and recreated and morphed and shifted around to be able to fit the doctrine of the day. Um, hers is to your, is used the same language. It's radically dangerous. It's, yeah. So I think there's something to that, like even, you know, for me, but I'm saying, speaking to you because you said this around your voice, like in many ways, she's offering the very thing that you struggle with. Because she speaks it, right? She speaks this language that we go, what? I've not heard that before. What? What does that mean? What? And then you encounter the statues, the land, the womb of the caves, like all these things come together. And it's like, this is radically dangerous. This is an expression I've not seen replicated, that I haven't yet internalized or metabolized maybe is a better way, in a way that I can talk about, but Mary Magdalene did. She had it totally metabolized. Yes. And, and
0: like, I'm sitting here thinking about just, just how angry people are getting right now with everything that's happening in the Ukraine and Israel and Palestine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this, like, (laughs) there was a post on Instagram this morning about people unfollowing famous people who clearly don't have a clue what they are talking about because they're just Mm -hmm. jumping in the fray because it's popular to get into this fray right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here like feeling myself move all the way back and going, okay, what do I know for sure right now,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: especially as a colonized body, right? Mm -hmm. And what I know is that, that of course they had to take Mary's gospel out of the Bible, right? Out of the But of course she had a gospel that was, of course, there was an answer to the ego. Why wouldn't there have been an answer to the damn ego? Why, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't Jesus have preached about that with Mary? Right. Mm -hmm. But when, but so when I step back and I, I think about this idea of fierce love, love fueled by justice, by connection, by -hmm. cultivation, Mm -hmm. And the tour guide said, while we were driving up to the caves, we, she, she, all along the way, she kept saying, this is where Mary stood and preached the gospel. And it struck me that while she was going, she, she's, she's running away after the love of her life had been murdered Mm -hmm. and resurrected Mm -hmm. and then died again. That, that she's grieving. She's a grieving woman. She's grieving the loss of Jesus, she's grieving the loss of community. She's escaping for her life. And at the same time, she is continuously preaching Mm -hmm. the word of love. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it just really makes me wonder what would happen if even for a millisecond, instead of starting to take sides, we took a nice, big, deep breath and thought, what would feel like love right now? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I teach this to my clients, like when I'm talking to my clients and I'm teaching and I'm speaking and I'm preaching, what would feel like love right now? Mm -hmm. In the chaos. what
1: if that was
2: enough? What if that was enough? You know, I think because we're in this Western culture, I mean, I think it's everywhere, but certainly in Western culture, like everything has to be big and amazing and grandiose and dramatic and huge and you know, changing entire institutions and worlds. But when I go back and I think about these original stories, when I think about the life of Jesus, or let's just use Mary Magdalene as a good example, this is a this is not a woman who had instagram and facebook followers this is not i mean you know like yes. maybe there were 10 or 15 people listening and she happened her words happened to be recorded or she wrote them down which then get buried and they're hidden for centuries and then eventually we find them but it's not as though oh, well let me say this in the positive instead of the negative it was one woman who was doing her part, speaking from her heart, saying what she believed, talking about her relationship with this man slash divine who'd walked on the planet at the same time that she did. There's no demand that she have this huge pulpit, this huge following, this and when you look at any of these stories, I mean, of of that I look at of these women, their lives are tiny in the scheme of things as are ours right like and so there's a part of me that thinks what if i just let that be true Ooh. what if i didn't have to constantly think about more bigger influence impact how do i talk about this but i just say what i want to say to whoever happens to be listening while i'm walking down a road you know what i'm saying like God, yes. so i wish up. everyone
0: could see me right now like cheering like all over like." <laughs> Fuck
2: yes like yeah like it's just, it, and that's the thing it was her community of people right and the message yes. spread and later we found it okay fine great yay awesome uh and it doesn't make her impact any less significant if we'd never found her gospel right she still I, influenced the people in her community she still you know all of the things that she did she did whether we found the record of it or not yes and so it just I just think there's so much more room for us to settle in to what it means to be in relationship with the divine, to what it means to reflect the divine, whether masculine or feminine, what it means to be connected to the sacred in relationship with one another in community and all those things without it having to be enormous, we're Another person walking on the planet at this particular time. Okay. What so what does love look like right now? What does love say right now? But right? Like if that's my belief, my experience, my hope, maybe that's all I have to answer.
0: Well, and you just really made me think about if it it's okay if I ask the question and other people get really uncomfortable with that. And I think that's the other piece of it, right? Like like who am i impacting and who's who's hearing my word you know like this whole how am i showing up and mm-hmm. you know don't ever project anything shitty online cuz then you won't get your people to buy your stuff blah 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 but like and also since when do i care about that mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and i i do care but i don't like like yeah. i have always been one who has spoken my truth and mm-hmm. and spoken the words that are on my heart. And sometimes I'm wrong to other people. True. Like, But that's because we've created a system that's right versus wrong, good mm-hmm. versus bad, mm-hmm. instead of this idea that I'm not going to resonate with everybody and that is okay. Mm-hmm. And there Very- was a day where nobody even
2: asked that question. Nobody thought about that. Am I going to resonate with everybody? Like it wasn't, you know, people lived their lives as we do. It's just that we have this larger platform and place of exposure, you know, where, where then other voices enter into our own psyche and our own thinking. Um, But I do think, you know, that's, that is one aspect of the beauty of returning to some of these simple, singular (laughs) stories. Yes. Whether they're of women or of men, is to say, okay, how come I never heard of them before? Well, because <laughs> this, it was one person who is in this large, thousands of years epic drama. And I could make the case that that one person then impacted all these things, which we do when we think about it, right? You, yeah. I mean, we do this all the time. If I hadn't met that person, if I hadn't had that conversation, if I didn't go to that school, if I didn't have this child, like everything changes. And so I think there's something in the in this sense, and I think Mary Magdalene's gospel talks about this, like it's something in both in the relationship with the divine, but also understanding that if the divine dwells within me, if I am an expression of the divine, then me just right here, right now, maybe that's more than enough.
0: Uh, not just maybe, but it is more than enough. Yeah. What and I, I, think, I think it would bring us all so much more peace if we could just, if we would give ourselves the opportunity, not even permission, but just mm-hmm. the opportunity to recognize that. And what I, I love what you're saying too, because I think about your book. I love your book so much, Rewinding Eve. It's Thank so, you. it's, it's such a beautiful, like, I love the, some of the stories I didn't know. And so it's really fun to hear your version of the stories and how you're telling the stories, but also it's really, I I actually just talked about this in a speech I gave over the weekend. Imagine, just think for just one minute of all the things it took for us to be right here, right now, present Mm -hmm. at this moment. And for you and I, as we're recording this, it's Monday, October 16th at 1230 PM Pacific Standard Time, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of the things that fell into place for you and I to even be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful to think about. The, the, the mystery of that, of allowing for each experience to happen so that we can connect in sacred community Mm -hmm. and, and connecting in sacred community is not about church Mm -hmm. as a building. It's about soul Mm -hmm. and honoring. And this is something that Megan talks about a lot, but honoring that the body, the whole purpose of the body is to be a vessel for the soul. Mm -hmm. and to give the soul this experience of winning and losing loving and and grieving and Mm -hmm. ecstasy and and i don't know what the opposite of ecstasy is um i don't know (laughs) maybe i don't know know. (laughs) but like we're here to have all of the experience Mm -hmm. not just the good shit Mm -hmm. which by the way I I I think we have a harder time being happy in the midst of chaos than we do with being miserable in the midst of chaos no question and I wonder Mm -hmm. if it's because we have a hard time connecting to this divinity because we've never been given permission to do it Mm -hmm. yeah you
2: know I mean I what what I'm where my mind is right now is you talking again about Mary Magdalene who is in grief and speaking yeah she lost everything that she held dear and she continues to Preach. speak about live out what it is that she understood in terms of yeah. her relationship with this man and i think there's something i'm thinking about this primarily because of what's going on you know with israel and palestine right now and just the tremendous amount of grief yeah. that one can't help but feel and rage and frustration and you know and we're not the ones who are in the middle of it, losing our families and our homes and you know, no. thousands of years of history and all of this. But it feels to me like there's something in that expression or that vision of Mary Magdalene that is so holy and so important that 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 are that the sacred embodied is both profound grief and profound hope. At the same time. the same time. And we have been kind of, not kind of, we've been schooled to be only in the hope side of things, only on the happy side of things or moving toward it, but don't grieve. Don't stay in a place that's sad. Don't make the rest of us uncomfortable because that would be radically dangerous. So (laughs) there's something so, I think, so invitational and so healing and so powerful about having the capacity to express and hold grief simultaneous to love, simultaneous to relationship and hope. And we just don't have a lot of models for how to do that. We don't, I mean, I think they exist. I think they're all around us all the time. It's just not the conversation that we've been having. It's Mm -hmm. not what we've seen and it certainly isn't what we've learned in the context of the church or religion that's all been you know like let's move on to the better to the best to the eternal life you know all of that and this is all carnal and secular down here that doesn't matter and mary magdalene shows us no 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 all this stuff comes together well Um, and and i think the
0: thing the thing i love about this entire conversation and you just summed it up with the word carnal this is, this is the messy carnality of life. It is, mm-hmm. it is the, the guts and, and, mm-hmm. um, and I have been saying now, really, since the pandemic started in 2020, that, uh, we are going through a global grief process mm. and refusing to call it grief, yes. refusing to grief refusing to grieve, Mm -hmm. even though you can see the tantruming is, is born and fueled of grief. The anguish is born and fueled of grief. The the love is born and fueled of grief. And that is what I, I love about that experience of Mary Magdalene's cave Mm -hmm. is I was in a space and a place where for the very first time in 48 years, I truly went, oh, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was actually a thing that people felt this profound love and profound grief all at the same time. And mm-hmm. I talk about it so much in my work, but it was like standing there and inside the cave, there's another, it's gold. Like it's so beautiful. This mm-hmm. on the altar of Jesus crucified looking down at Mary and there gold and but the way he is looking at her and radiating at her and the way she is looking at him and radiating at him in that statue that whoever the artist was just captured it so beautifully and then looking to my left and seeing mary with her arms open his mother over Mm -hmm. at another piece of the altar it's such a beautiful reminder that this is the life this is life Mm -hmm. we are born and then we die. Mm -hmm. And then everything in between is just this journey. Mm -hmm. And all we know is that we are born and then we die. Like those are the two things for certain. And everything else in between is this incredible spiralic life that that is at once grief and and love, which is holy. Mm -hmm. So I I want- Go ahead. I was just gonna say it sounds to me also,
2: Melissa, like the there was something really profound. I mean, you you're talking about this, how you understand it, but there's something so powerful about the physicality of the place. Yeah. Right. The the art to be sure, but a place in which she's venerated and honored as having been there, walked there, spoken there, all all those kinds of things. And I think that's another piece that we've missed. So substantially, particularly in the Western world, we've built all these churches, all these institutions, all, but we have nothing that grounds us. Now, I think the stories are what have the power and the potential to ground us. But when we miss this, really, the earth, the element of the yeah. of of the physicality, not just the cerebral, um, it's very hard for us to feel that deep love when it's mm-hmm. disconnected from our physical selves. And so much of what we've been taught has been to disconnect those two. And yet in Mary Magdalene, that's her, that's her doctrine as well, right? Like this is all physical. This is all embodied. This is right. It's just, a she just has a much different message that we've missed.
0: I think that, that you
2: got to experience that.
0: Oh my gosh, me too. And I think that brings up such a really incredible point about, you know, this land that we are on that you and I physically embody These spaces that were Mm -hmm. colonized and Mm -hmm. taken over and, Mm -hmm. you know, destroyed Mm -hmm. and continue to be destroyed Mm -hmm. by industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I, my hope is that we continue to have these kinds of conversations and tell these stories Mm -hmm. because it is healing for all the land. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think
2: one of the ways we heal the land is by remembering the ancestors, right? And so the ancestors, certainly that were on this land from whom we've taken it, et cetera, and going back even further, right? Like, I think that's a lot of what I think about in the book is like, who are the women whose shoulders upon which I'm standing? Why, you know, I need to know those stories in order to honor their tradition all that came before all, all of the moments that have led to being able to allow me, you know, like all of that matters. And we've segmented ourselves so significantly, especially from the stories of women, that it's no surprise
0: that we feel adrift. I love this so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. What a fun conversation. So Um, So for all of you, again, I will link to the book Rewriting Eve uh, it's lovely and delightful. And I will also link to Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene revealed Megan Waterson's book because it's just so delightful. And I just really appreciate you having this conversation with me today. Thank you. Apparently you need to lead a trip for us to France. Oh my gosh. I want to go back so bad. I bet (laughs) someday, someday Someday. we'll go back again. All right. Thank you You so much. Thank you, Melissa. Take care.
2: You too.
0: If you would like a weekly dose of love in your inbox, head on over to my website at www.drmelissabird.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter where you will receive a weekly love note in your inbox just for me to you.